Hello and welcome back to episode 19 of the Down to the Wire podcast. This is attempt number two of recording because it cut out the first time. Um, we're back again, updating you with the latest and greatest from sport from last the previous week. Um, Jack, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, wasn't much football on, so you know, not much to talk about there in my, from my point of view. But Wales won, so I'm happy. Gotta be happy when Wales win. And we are also joined by special guest Dav. How are you doing, Dav? Evening, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Very good, very good. Um, yes, we uh, you know Dav is a good friend of ours, and he's also uh, uh, well versed on goings on in the in the championship. So we thought it'd be uh, nice to have Dav on, kind of give us an update because uh, Dav's a Swans fan. Um, so yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to have a bit of a discussion about the championship. We've also got um, a bit of Premier League football to discuss, um, a bit of Champions League football. And, you know, as Jack mentioned earlier, a bit of the Six Nations rugby, perhaps looking forward to the, well, I guess technically it's the final round, but France have still got to play Scotland, haven't they? So it's yeah, kind it's of like... an interesting dynamic, that, isn't it? It's yeah, like, it's going to be a bit of a, a, bit of of a weird one. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I guess we should just... Uh... Well, actually, before we crack on, yeah, it'd be good to talk about the Championship. We don't often, uh... I say often, I don't think we've ever talked about the Championship football on this podcast, have we, Jack? I think we maybe have once. We have maybe once, briefly. Maybe yeah. briefly. I think, you know, um, like like I said, um, Dav's a Swansea fan, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to give us all of the knowledge, Dav. But, uh, you know, it's not always easy to keep track of what's going on in the uh, in the championship. It looks like it's been an interesting season. So uh, In the best yeah. league in the world. In the best league in the world. And, uh, hey, Swansea pushing for promotion. So uh, all happy from your end, I guess. Yeah, looking forward to that a bit later on, yeah. <laughs> skipping ahead, skipping ahead I am. Too excited. There we are. Should we uh, crack on with some Premier League football chops? Yeah, let's do it. Cool, good stuff. Um, right, first topic of discussion. Uh, Mr Wilder has been sacked from Sheffield United. Bit of an interesting one, I thought. I don't know what your guys thought to it. I didn't really like him, if I'm honest. I thought he brought a different dynamic with having overlapping fullback, um, centre-backs. But apart from that, he just seemed to want to have arguments with all the other managers. He was like, he'd love to pick a bone with um, Klopp <laughs> about the five-substitute rule rather than three. Oh, it yeah. Like, it was like, oh, well, every vote counts. You've got to have, a, I think it's like, oh, I think you have to have like 17 of the 20 teams agreeing on something for it to be implemented. Yeah. And he was more than happy to be one of the three every single time. And it's like, <laughs> when you're at the bottom, it's like you're just there, you know, as another vote. Like, a, like that vote is going to change in a year's time when somebody yeah, else yeah. came up. So it's just like, it's such a nothing thing. But he just, you know, I'm just like, oh, I'm, not too, I'm not too bothered. Um, go on, Dad, what are your thoughts? I think poor old Chris Wilder. Yes, yeah, so do I. I think so. Is in like I think like... Dak's just gone straight in for his personality there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you've said nothing about football. You've just said don't like him. Yeah. Okay. On the other side, I get what you mean. I am good that he's gone in the sense of he's brought Sheffield all the way from League One all the way to the Premiership. All up to, was it ninth position last year? But yeah, yeah. Oh, personality-wise, I'm not bothered. But yeah, yeah, that, that was Story. The story is like it's his hometown club. He's taken them from League One. He's just a. Uh, it's a. He's a victim of 
second season syndrome, isn't he? Yeah. With a, few, with a few other things coming in on top, you know, it, he, there's some disagreements with the owners in the background, I think. And, mm. and I'm sure we'll mention it a couple of times, but, you know, you cannot take COVID out of the equation the way that no. they play. No. The size of their squad, mm. you know. Mm. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think as well. Like, I remember at one point last season, like, Sheffield were on for Champions League. Yeah. They did really well last season. I mean, I mean like you said, David, I mean, the second season syndrome, they struggled. Going into the season, most people thought rock bottom. <laughs> I don't think anybody thought they were going to stay up. Well, to last top year. 10. Yeah, last year. Yeah, they were yeah, favourites to go down straight. So maybe this has been coming. Maybe it was always inevitable that they were going to go down sooner rather than later. Especially as, I mean, any club that, even if you get survival, but any club that comes up, newly promoted side, always, if you're going to bolster, you've got to go with experienced guys. And they've gone, hey, let's go sign, oh, what's his face? The guy from Liverpool. Really yeah, signed Booster for twenty-three yeah. million, and it's like it's a rip-off firstly, but also it's a player who's not really got any experience, particularly it's a gamble, at the bottom. Isn't it? It's like we've spoken in the past about managers, city managers being good at the bottom, middle, and the top of the league. They've all got different characteristics or uh, tactics which they like to implement, which only work in certain clubs. But it's like the same can be said for certain players. It's like you get some players who are just made to be scrappers, meant to be down at the bottom, yeah. meant to. Just toss it out with the best of them, but yeah, I I don't think Rian Brewster was a smart investment at the very least. But um, I, it's I been know. difficult for them though, isn't it? Because I don't think they've they've not scored in over half their games this season, which says yeah. all you need to know about the issues that they've got. So mm. you can understand why he wanted to bolster his forward line. But yeah, yeah. twenty it was, it was just a massive gamble, wasn't it? Twenty three million. Mm. He, he was well think... thought of at Liverpool, but he mm, didn't... yeah. You know, it, it was a gamble for sure to spend that much money on a teenager. Mm. Do you think had Wilder not performed so well? I say Wilder is in Sheffield, but obviously you know he's a manager. Do you think if Sheffield hadn't have done so well last season, you know, let's say for example they finished just outside relegation last year, and then because like I, I mean mathematically they can probably still survive, but as in I I don't think it's likely, is it? I don't even, I don't know what the numbers are specifically, oh, but they're thirteen from safety, ten games remaining, and they've scored just fourteen from the first twenty eight games. Yeah, there we go. So you know, without wanting to be uh, too pessimistic, they they look like they're going down. Mm-hmm. You know, if they had finished just outside relegation last year, and then this year they got relegated, do you think you know it's not unheard of for teams that are relegated to keep their boss? You know. Um, I think yeah. Sean Dyche is a perfect example of that. Burnley got promoted. Did they get relegated in their first season or something like that? They definitely got relegated at some point. I can't yeah, remember what season it was in. But, uh, I think he may even come up and down twice before staying up. Yeah. So, you know, it's not unheard of. Do you think perhaps Wilde has been a bit of a victim of his own success a little bit? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I mean... You know, with with hope comes expectation, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, or you know, with expectation comes hope. So they mm. overperformed definitely last season, um, mm. and it's uh, Norwich is an example of that now because they got relegated last year, but yeah, Daniel exactly. Daniel Farker stayed on, and mm. at the moment, like we come on to it later, but Norwich are looking pretty good at the top of the championship. So it's the way that you go about it, and I think mm. what will worry. Uh, any Sheffield United fans will be the fact that 
Wilder went last weekend, and then they got absolutely smashed by Leicester on the Sunday. Mm. Yeah, it's not ideal, is it? You kind of so, hope that when there seems to be a bit of a trend nowadays, doesn't it? Where almost teams will sack a manager not because they have a good person lined up or you know they think the next person is going to be long term, but almost to get that kind of initial boost just to kind of get them through the rest of the season. Um, to, to be fair, West Brom did similar with um, forget Darren Moore. And yeah. they had him, they had that boost. They didn't stay up and they went down and sort of the opposite to what Norwich happened and they went pretty much a little bit further down. Um, so it doesn't always work. but I No, but yeah, it's I in like, I remember yeah. when uh, De Canio went to Sunderland. Oh, you know, that was awesome. But let's be real, De Canio is not a particularly great manager, but he somehow just purely on the basis of being a different manager from what came before, managed to keep them up. Um, so yeah, I feel, feel a little bit sorry for old Chrissy Walder, to be honest. Um, I, I guess, I mean, it's easy to say this when you're not a Sheffield United fan, but I feel like he did enough to deserve a second chance. Um, yeah, I saw him described as earlier this week as Sheffield United's Alex Ferguson, like mm-hmm. what, he, what he'd done yeah. for the club. I think it, by the looks of it, it comes down to there's something not right between him and the owner. And um, yeah. If, if you'd had the older chairman in there, they might well have kept him on. But yeah, maybe. The, con- maybe. the concern for Sheffield United fans will be what, what Jack just said, that, that they go down and they, they, they're they not able to compete next season and people will come and pick off their best players. And mm. Although, saying that, Wolves went down, got I think one of few, uh, maybe two teams have ever been relegated twice in the Premiership. And look where they are now. So who knows? Maybe it's good to go down twice. <laughs> well, there's yeah, quite a I'm few sure. teams that have done that, though, haven't there? Portsmouth have done it. Mm. S- Sunderland, <laughs> Sunderland right, have done it. it. Wigan have done it as well, haven't they? Yeah, there's quite a few teams that have done that. I think that's the you drop and you just drop because of the. But I don't. I think that's different. That's to do with finances and whatever. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Sheffield United are in that same boat. But well, no, you got to spend no. money first, haven't you? All I'll say is I I look out for Chris Wilder in the Championship. I don't think he'd be out of a job for too long. Oh no, definitely not. Well, as in you don't turn. You know, it's not like he had a flash in the pan season, one season in the championship, gotten promoted. As in, he's grounded out from you know a couple of divisions down to get them in the, a little mm-hmm. bit like um, um, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, very yeah. kind of a similar situation, managed to kind of get them up. But then Eddie Howe still hasn't got a job, has he? He's he's waiting out Southgate, isn't he? At some point, it's going to come a knocking. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. we are. I, on a similar trend, though, like Southampton, they sacked Nigel Adkins to get Mauricio Pochettino in. And yeah. last year, Brighton sacked uh, Chris Hooten after keeping them up. Or was it the year before that? Uh, but they sacked Chris Hooten anyway, who's now at Forest. But some sometimes just being at the bottom, clubs just aren't satisfied and they just go, no. regardless, we want a change just because we need... Even if we're safe, it's like we want something to take us to the next level. And yeah, I understand what you're saying about gamble. the owner and all that, and perhaps the falling out there and all that. But sometimes I think, naturally, I think you, you do get some clubs where it works holding on to the manager. But I mean, the Premier League's a different beast. You want to stay in it because of the money. And you know, when you fall out, what can happen to you in terms of Wigan, Portsmouth, Wolves for a stage? Um, it can go double down. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, should we move on to the next uh, topic of discussion? Yeah, let's. I mean, I I haven't used anything about this, Jack. I'm assuming you put this note in. I don't know whether you want to take this uh, this point yeah. forward. 
It was just something I, I spotted on BBC News. Guardiola was annoyed at the Manchester City pitch because it said it's not as good as other pitches. He said he blamed Russia, I think, or somewhere. And he said the pitch was better than uh, what they got in Manchester City. <laughs> it, it just surprised me because I noticed when they played Southampton, I think it was a couple of days before the article came out, I thought, gosh, that's a brown pitch. I was thinking it really was boggy. And apparently there's been like loads of issues with it in terms of they were going to do stuff onto it uh, last season, into, towards the end of the season. They just mm. didn't get to because of COVID. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. I just Because they lost, well, they only lost one game. So when I put it in, it was like, oh, can Pep sort of put it on that? But I mean, they've gone on and hammered a few teams recently. So I mean, yeah. my point was almost redundant for that. I feel like uh, City out of all of the teams in the league are probably the ones who would suffer most from that sort of thing. Just because yeah, they, of the type of football they play. But hmm. um, yeah, a bit of a weird one, that. bit of a weird one. And I guess, you know, like they had the bit of a weird season last season, isn't it? So they kind of finished later and then started this season not that long after. So the pitch hasn't had that amount of time to, uh, that amount of time to recover, I guess. Uh, yeah. He's got nothing else to complain about, though, has he? Let's be fair. No, that's true. Yeah. I mean, four players for every position. He wants he wants to come down Rodney Parade and see the state of that pitch. Then he'll he'll complain. There's nothing quite like watching the FA Cup football when Spurs play Newport. Just whenever one of the big teams inevitably gets Newport because they always love to go on a charge. It's just pure highlight football of just brown mud up everybody's kits. You can't tell who's who. It's a mirage of brown on all the kits. I mean, it's yeah. their pitch is so bad at the moment. They played the, they played in a couple of games over at the Cardiff City Stadium because the pitch just really? needs a break. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. I know that. Wow. Um, so, you know, as you say, Jack, the, the quality of the player that they've got in Man City, I mean, you know, if you, if they can't play on a on a bobbly pitch, then what help of the Sunday <laughs> Sunday League got you know? <laughs> I mean Guardiola is really just describing every team's dilemma below the championship, basically. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And like you said, Dav, as in when when the only thing you can really complain about is the state of your pitch, you're in mean... circumstances really. Is in like you as you as Liverpool fans like having to witness. Flipping Jordan Henderson at centre half for the tenth time with the one billionth centre half partnership we've had this season, and Guardiola's like, "Oh, that pitch is a bit dodgy, though." <laughs> Who's yeah. the real loser here? Yeah, <laughs> I know who <laughs> I'd really, rather be. Who's really in trouble? Because I don't think it's us. <laughs> um, a little yeah. bit of miracle grow, sort him out, no problem. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was going to make a fa- I was going to make a joke about the fact that Guardiola has no hair there, but uh, perhaps I'll leave that one for now. <laughs> a little bit unnecessary. <laughs> um, there we are. Um, going briefly to uh, not necessarily Champions League, but briefly, well, <laughs> again another slight dig there. Definitely not Champions League. Um, Juventus potentially. Now I read something about this that they were kind of. Slight rumours that he was potentially going to be leaving uh, Juventus. He being Ronaldo, that is. Apologies. Yeah, Ronaldo. <laughs> well, who else was it going to be? Let's be fair. Perlo. Oh, he's not going to be there very long, is he? That's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, twenty-five mil they're saying because they just want to get his contract off the books. That's a hit, yeah, man. the old lady is uh, sorting out her purse, isn't, it? isn't she? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. Uh, Sorry, Dan. Sorry, you got. No, I was going to say, 
the, the difficulty is going to be on what he wants for, in that. Does he mm. still want to compete in the Champions League? Mm. I don't. I don't envision. In, I don't envision him going to back to Sporting Lisbon. But yeah, I know what you mean. Does he? Wow. Well, yeah. Where does Ronaldo go? Because he's not going to go back to well, Madrid. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I did read something the other day where Zidane basically didn't rule it out. Um, oh yeah, I don't think anybody would rule out having him. But I think from Ronaldo's point of view, I'm sure he's like been there, conquered. I'm on to the next thing. Maybe you go to France. Maybe he goes, hey, that Mbappe kid's quite good. I'll play with him. They need a striker. Yeah, well... I mean, try try, try juggling Ronaldo, Mbappe and Neymar, though. Oh, yeah, that's, a lot, that. that's a lot of Neymar personalities, left, isn't Mbappe it? On the right, Ronaldo, yeah, Neymar, I, really I don't think it's so much to do with the pitch, though, is it? It's to do with the personalities. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot of ego to, to manage in one dressing room, isn't it? To be fair, Neymar and Cavani used to have it out, didn't they, for penalties? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, just kind of going off on that briefly, because I've seen a few things now, would you class Ronaldo at Juve as a success? No, certainly not. I mean, the fact that they haven't even gotten into the semis in both of the years he's been there, and the only reason mm. they bought him was for the Champions League. And mm. if anything, they're taking a backward step. But I don't think that's all on Ronaldo. I feel the fact that they Maybe. sacked... I, I can't remember. Did they have a leg? Sorry, No, sorry. 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 Um, but yeah, the fact that they sacked him, then got Pirlo, it's just like sort of a, a storm of things that probably weren't going to work out. Well, yeah. and I don't know about you as well. I feel like there were players at Juve that, like, say, three or four years ago, everyone was like, oh, give it a few years and this, this guy's going to be really special. Like, Dybala, he hasn't really... I mean, it's difficult to judge properly because, you know, we don't necessarily watch a lot of the Serie A. Well, I don't anyway. I don't know about you guys. But but as in, I don't know, I feel like Dybala, I, I, he's still a good player, but I don't think he's quite hit the heights that everyone was saying that he was going to. Perhaps that's a bit unfair, maybe. Um, to be fair, playing in a team like Juventus, I don't think anybody stands out. It's no, like that's it is true. When you're all meant to be world-class players it's like mm. you know it's like looking for a silver spoon in a drawer of silver spoons mm. it's like they're all look identical mm. um, so yeah maybe he just doesn't shine because of that but yeah I mean to be fair as well he also plays Cam and not the ball I mean, yeah. yeah well I know he always he's a sort of hybrid player who can play anyway but mm. predominantly he's a Cam and how, how many teams play with a outright Cam at the moment I think yeah, Man United play Bruno and that's about it as much as I can visually think of. Everyone plays a couple of left attacking mids, a couple of right attacking mids. Got to, got to get all the width. But yeah, someone right through the middle doesn't happen too often. So maybe that's why it's not working out. What about you, Dav? Would you class it as a failure or success, Ronaldo at UV? Well, he went there to win the Champions League, didn't he? And yeah. he hasn't and he hasn't done that. So mm-hmm. I suppose you'd have to say it hasn't paid off for him. Yeah, um, and I mean, it, it, I guess... it's one of those where Serie A, being what it is, it's nice to see it a bit competitive this year. But have they won like nine in a row or something? So like yeah, winning Serie A, winning Serie A is like standard. Like it's you'd the, expect minimum, to win that. Yeah, yeah, he went there for the Champions League, and he hasn't he hasn't won it. So I don't think he'd say it's a it's a success in that sense. And mm. as as Jack said, like actually they've kind of taken a step backwards. But I don't. Yeah. That's not to do with him. I don't think that's to do with the. The management and 
the the way they've gone through a couple of managers the last few years, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I guess the thing is as well for Juve, they're in that kind of tricky scenario where Ronaldo is kind of defined his age at the moment, isn't he? But as in, at some point, you'd assume that um, it is going to start to drop off. Now, you know, see, I don't think it will. I think the the routine he puts himself in, the fitness and what he eats all the time is constant. And I think that's what separates him from a lot of other players who are just good, is the fact that Ronaldo is he's just a physical specimen. Mm. Just Yeah, but the, his body but, but, uh, fat percentage is like one mm. percent or something nuts it, like that. There's I nothing on it. As in the longer they keep a hold of him, the less and it doesn't matter how good Ronaldo still is, the longer they hold Ronaldo, the less and less they're gonna get for him. Just purely on the basis mm. of you know, it's in like different players are different, aren't they? Some players have a kind of a gradual decline. Um, like for me, I, I when I see a gradual decline, I think of Lampard. As in Lampard didn't really, ha- he didn't like go from being amazing to struggling. He kind of like gradually, and that you know, like he became more of a, t- a squad player than you know week in week out. Whereas like for me, Steven Gerrard was the complete opposite. Gerrard's performances went from like really high and they kind of dropped off a lot in his final season of Liverpool you know so is Ronaldo going to be one of those ones where it's a gradual decline or is it going to be one of those ones where it's kind of like an immediate decline and just based on the fact that he's so good you know at, at such a for a football player at an older age you know is, is it going to be like a kind of a gradual decline or is it going to be like a off, off the cliff kind of decline you know and the longer the they hold him, I guess, the more unknown that variable becomes. So teams are going to be less willing to invest. So, I mean, personally, I think he'll retire at the top in a sense. I don't think he'll ever decline to a point where he's even sort of considered of, oh, has he passed it? I don't think that question's ever going to come up. I just feel like he's just got that F ethic about him. Which yeah, doesn't I, ever I agree drop with you, below that but standard. is he is he ever going to be able to maintain his career to the point where you can justify his wages like what he wants? As a football uh, yeah, club? I reckon so. Bold, I, I think that's why where he goes next is limited, though, isn't it? Because who's going to mm, who's exactly, going to pay yeah. that out? And well, I think the only team realistically that could well teams I should say are probably City, PSG, and Real Madrid. I don't think there's. Worldwide, I don't think there's any of this. Well, and financially United, but I, I don't think, I, I don't see why he'd go to United right now. To be honest, um, he wants to win the Champions League, Jack, doesn't he? You're not going to go there. Mm. Uh, I, I see it appealing to be at United right now. We're on the up. He's he's played for United before. We're we're in Champions League still. But if your logic for him not going to Real Madrid is being there, done that, why would he go back to United? Because uh, that's like over a decade ago. And to be fair, I don't think he ever... Well, he did conquer because he won in all there, but he was only there for a couple of years. Mm. He wasn't there for a long period of time. Well, he's been at PSG for more than a decade. Not PSG, at Real Madrid more than a decade. So I, I feel I feel there's still unfinished business. You know, and I, I feel confident we could we could nab him. We could nab him up. He'd never go to City. That's just a guarantee. No, of course, of course he wouldn't, no. But I, but I just mean from a financial point of view. Um, I mean, I think if you would, I think he'd be. I think I think the most likely is to go back to Madrid. I really do, and then I think after that it would probably be PSG, and then probably United. 
Um, I'll be honest with you, I feel like getting Ronaldo would kind of be against what Man United have been building for for the past two or three years. Um, you know, they've kind of invested not necessarily in box office players, but they've, you know, they've made shrewd signings. I say shrewd, they've turned a lot of money, but as in, you know, like gone for solid players like Juan Bissaka, you know, as in not necessarily a global superstar in his position, but as in a solid, solid player. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Ronaldo. I mean, I would not be surprised if he stays at Juventus for another two or three seasons, to be honest. It's normally how these transfer rumours work, isn't it? Um, there we are. Um, right, Dad, we didn't really tell you about this. This is one thing we probably should have told you about. We do the highlight of the week. Now, I don't know whether you've got one or whether you want to do one. Um, yeah, I've got one. Oh, you've got one. Good man, good man. Right, well, Jack, I do you want to... I informed him. I informed him before I did. It's good, because... Uh, I, I was on the ball with that one. So, Jack, do you want to start off? I'll do mine, and then uh, Dav, we'll, uh, we'll move on to you then. Great. Um, my highlight of the week was the Louis Vissamet try against Italy. Just absolutely rapid. <laughs> Interception, yeah. 80 metres. Um, to be fair, the last chunk he was, he was sort of just a light jog, even though it was quicker he than liked, everybody. He liked, but at the beginning... He bolted it, didn't he? Like, yeah, he was like, I'm off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm off. <laughs> but um, oh, when that happened, it was just like a whoa, whoa! He's got some legs. Um, yeah, but yeah. Did enjoy that. I mean, the acceleration was just beyond, wasn't it? I, you know, is mm. it? I don't think. Uh... Like as good as George North yeah. always was, I can't imagine George North ever doing oh, a run no. like that. Like, it's just no. a different type of player. Just a different yeah. type of player. I mean, it's nice to have. Um... Like for Wales, I, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's nice to have two out and out finishers on the wing. As in, don't get me wrong, like George North was, was excellent on the wing, but he, he was never, I don't know, he just ne- like Josh Adams and Lewis Rissamit have that kind of ability to they just finish tries. Like they, yeah, they get the ball, it goes on the ground over the line. <laughs> yeah. Very rarely does anything else happen. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just kind of the type of player that they are. But yeah, we'll talk mm. about that a little bit later when we talk about the. Uh, the Six Nations. Um, my highlight of the week was Stephen Gerrard shutting down the ITV sports reporter when they asked him about the Liverpool job. Um, and the reason this was my highlight was because Rangers had just won their first league title in, I, it was like a decade, I think, wasn't it? It's been a long time. And uh, the only thing that the ITV sports, or one of the only things that he could talk about was Oh well, Jurgen Klopp struggling. Do you want the job? It's like, oh come on, mate. Give him, give him his moment of uh, his moment of triumph. And uh, yeah, and Gerard literally was just like, he, like I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, Liverpool fans don't want me as their manager. They want Jurgen Klopp, and I wish you knew how much. <laughs> and that was it. It was like, oh, okay. So um, yeah, as a Liverpool fan, that was my uh, that was my highlight of the week. Dav, over to you. Mine's maybe a little bit more of a take a step back, slightly more um, sentimental. But um, I know that you lads are big into your F1, and mm-hmm. uh, we had the first um, like time trial practice last week when it took kind of testing, testing mm-hmm. out the new cars. And I thought it was um, a, a sporting highlight to see uh, M. Schumacher back on the timesheet for uh, Haas. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a that good is one. Good. 
did you see that they they quite heavily were talking about in the commentary was the abbreviation like obviously with the name Schumacher you could have just done SCH but um, when Michael Schumacher was in the Formula One he couldn't use SCH because there's also is it Schwartzman I think that was okay. another driver so, someone Schechter, along that line say so again what's the name there's loads Schechter yeah, um, it, it was somebody else, but basically, mate, he couldn't have SCH because there were loads of SCHs. So we went MSC, and it was nice that Mick Schumacher went, I can go SCH, but sort of a nod to his dad, I'm going to go S, uh, MSC. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, well, I've got to say, Dave, your, uh, your highlight was a lot more mature than than, than my highlights. <laughs> um we're, we're thinking very very much on different levels there, but no, that was a good one. I didn't... I didn't uh, yeah, and I'd, I certainly didn't clock what you said, Jack. That is interesting, if it is. Yeah, um, I'm good with that. You could like that. <laughs> and, and and humble as well. Um, right, should we... Uh... Incredibly humble. <laughs> should, we, um, should we talk about the Champions League? Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, um, so uh, how do we want to do this? Are we just going to go through... Uh... Well, I'm also... Let's say, who do we think is going to win... Um, yeah, who do we think is going to win it all? Just straight out right now. <laughs> and then sort of like uh, to and fro as to maybe going through each one and seeing why we think or don't think that may be the case. Oof. That's, uh, I don't even know where to start with that. Do you have someone in mind, Jack? Well, I think Bayern Munich are going to win it all. I think out and out favourites. I think they got the most complete squad. They won it last they won mm. last, yeah, they did one last year. And I don't think, apart from PSG and Man City, I don't think anybody else really is uh, on level with them. Um, can't disagree with that. Can't, no. no yeah. yeah. I, to be honest with you, I think a couple, like, probably before this round of the Champions League, I would have said Bayern Munich. Mm hmm. But what are you thinking think, now? Well, this is the thing. It's not necessarily that I have another team in mind, but what I would say is this. So, in the Bundesliga, Leipzig are, well, I say are, they were only like three points behind mm-hmm. Bayern Munich. Now, over the course of two legs, Liverpool rather comfortably beat Leipzig despite all of the troubles that Liverpool have had this season. And this is one of Liverpool's worst seasons in a long time. Um, now, I know league form and Champions League form is very different. But if, if Liverpool can beat a team comfortably over two legs, that's only just behind Bayern Munich, then surely there are, you know, as in like when you think of how well Chelsea are playing at the moment... How well City are playing at the moment. I don't know. I guess in my head, Bayern Munich aren't quite as. Well, is it, is it in my head they were clear, clear favourites? Let's put it that way. In my head, they were clear, clear favourites. And now I'm kind of there like, well, if you look at it on that basis, you'd have to, you surely you'd have Chelsea and City up there right now, I think. I mean, obviously, I can't speak for perhaps some of the, uh, the non English sides because, again, I, we don't watch them as much on a week to week basis. But yeah. I'll be honest, on that logic, I don't think there can be any blame that Man United aren't in the Champions League uh, knockouts because in their group was PSG and RB Leipzig. And I feel like United got berated when they went out. And it's like, well, 
Now we're talking of Leipzig. Now that Liverpool have beaten them, oh. no, I, I, I don't think Leipzig are all that. I just think they're, they're the best of a bad bunch in Bundesliga. Um, and for some reason, Bayern Munich aren't running away with it, but I'm not sure why. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion on that. Uh, I just wanted to put United out there because I was like, well, you know, we're only out of it because we were in a hard group. <laughs> um, well, again, though, I think that you, you could say you were in a hard group, but then Liverpool have beaten Leipzig comfortably over two legs despite all of their troubles this season. So, I mean, I don't, look, there's no shame in losing to PSG. Is in PSG are a very good side. I think it was more the fact that the, the Leipzig result, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I guess in my head, what I was saying is that, you know, before this round of the knockouts, I was like, well, Bayern Munich, hands down. Whereas now I've got that little bit of doubt. I'm like, well, if Leipzig are only three points away and, and Liverpool have beaten Leipzig comfortably over two legs, you know, does that open the door for other competitors, I guess? I don't think I would rate, I wouldn't rate just because they're in the same league. It's the same most seasons, isn't it? Like you don't, you don't say in the past, we haven't said, oh, Juventus aren't very good because like so-and-so hammered Napoli or whatever it is. Like I think Bayern Munich are by far and away the best team in that division. And Mm. last season, last season Champion League showed that it doesn't really matter who they come up against. They can, win well, they can win ugly. Mm. Like what Jack said, they have got the most complete squad. Mm. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I think in other, you can look at other leagues and think, oh, they must be good because they're second or third. Mm. Um, but if you put them in the Premier League, they might be eighth or ninth. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I tell you what, I, I do, I, I mean, in terms of dark horse outside bets, I do agree with the Chelsea shout. Yeah. Purely because they don't concede goals. They are just the model of defensive reliability. Mm. And I, I I, do think, well, people always say attacks win games, defences win titles. Mm. Um, and I don't know how much I actually agree with that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't concede a goal, mm. you can't lose a game. And they That's like Michael Owens here. um yes but yeah i I think chelsea are an out i reckon if bayern don't win it i honestly think it's going to be chelsea i mean to be honest with you i feel like all of the english teams have a good shout um when i say a good shout i mean is in you know is in chelsea and city both playing very well domestically um liverpool Okay, they're struggling domestically, but they seem to, you know, they seem to have an ability to turn up for the bigger games. I mean, of the three, obviously, I think they'd probably be least likely to win. Um, but as in, you know, Real Madrid aren't quite the force that they have been in past years. Um, I mean, obviously, Porto have uh, caused the biggest upset of the round just gone, haven't they, by uh, beating Juventus? Yeah, um, interestingly, in that game, the second leg, they they won they won the tie by losing the game, which meant that they drew overall. Um, yeah. So they did manage to win, lose, and draw in one game, which was quite impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you should save that for your stat of the week, mate. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, it's in like when it's. Uh, I've got to be honest, though. I feel like that's quite a strong, um, a strong last sixteen. Uh, sorry. Strong quarter, quarter final. 
But we mentioned it was a good last 16. Um, and if Juventus had gone through against Porto, just looking at the uh, reputations or stature of the clubs, you go, oh, that's a, that's a quarter final that, you know, really is mouth-watching. Mm. But, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I don't know what you guys think, but generally I think that when you get to the quarterfinals, there's always like one team where you look at it and you go, oh, well, that's the easy draw then. But like if, if Porto managed to knock out Juve, they're clearly no mugs, are they? And like, mm. let's be fair, that's, uh, that's pr- pretty impressive when you think of the, you know, the, the finances and the clout that um, Juventus have. Um, I, to be honest with you, I, I think on paper, like Dad said, I think Bayern Munich, you know, they've clearly got, um, I mean, firstly, they've got the experience, which I think is huge in the Champions League. They've clearly got the squad depth. So I think on paper, it's Bayern Munich. But, you know, in practice, I think it's anyone's bet, really. I'd, I'd be reluctant to call it. Really reluctant. Hmm. I think from a, fo- from a purely footballing perspective, mm. you'd, you'd have to say that, like, if the draw fell for City... You wouldn't see any reason why they couldn't win it. Exactly. I think one of the, the thing, one of the things for them, I think, is the monkey on their back of recent seasons, mm. where they've got they've gone out in the Champions League to teams that they really should have beaten. They went out to Lyon last season. Yeah, definitely. they went out. To, they went out to Spurs when they oh, Guardiola went, went running it. down the touchline and then VAR brought it back. They went out to Monaco on away goals a few years ago. So mm. psychologi- psychologically, they always seem to get to a point. Like I think it was last season, they were playing Leon, yeah. and Guardiola com- to puts out a completely different formation. Really overthinks it. Did he play three at the back or did he change his midfield? I can't quite remember. Yeah. But he tried to he tried to tinker with it too much because he knew he wanted to win the Champions League and he meshed about with what he knew. I mean, who am I to say this? Guardiola knows more than me, but it obviously didn't work for him. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean- um, so there's a psychological yeah. monkey on their back, isn't there, when it comes to the Definitely. Champions League, that they've never quite done it. And until they win it, you think that that's always going to be going to be on them, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to how Liverpool have been with the league for so long. But as in, I, I, to be honest with you, I think Man City could almost do with having, in a weird way, they could do with having tough opposition in the next game. Because I think if they, if they draw at Porto or a Dortmund... Again, there's almost that kind of expectation, you know, will Guardiola... Because, like, I remember he did it against Liverpool as well. Like, he did something um, a few years ago. He played, like, Gundogan as a winger. And you're like, why is he doing that for? Is in like... But, yeah, so I feel like City could almost do, like, a big picture to kind of get themselves up for the game and go and win. Because I think, on their day, City are as good as anyone, really. Um, well, yeah, like they beat Real Madrid, didn't they, last year? Yeah, exactly. And then, exactly. and that's why everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, they go then." And then they so, drew yeah. Leon, and um, yeah, he Martinez, changed yeah. the way he played. So, but I think that's that. The same thing applies to PSG as well. They've not won it. There's no. big pressure on them exactly. to win it yeah, because yeah. you know you're expected to win uh, League One every year. <laughs> um, Lovely Pochettino, Pochettino has got them playing well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think it's that same. There's that expectation that unless you, uh, if you don't win it, it's a disappointing season. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be fair, so but what, those two monkeys, teams could win it. Yeah, go on. One of the monkeys that was on their back was that they lost that like incredible game against Barca a few years ago, where they came back from like, I think they won the first leg four one, 
but then lost yeah. the second leg. Like I can't remember what it was, maybe five two or something nuts like that. And it was like, oh, but they beat, they dispatched Barca this year. So maybe they, you know, maybe one of those monkeys is gone. But yeah, who knows? I mean, it's never going to be a bad thing to have Pochettino as your manager, is it? Um, certainly not a bad thing to have uh, to have a manager of that caliber coming in. And you know, like we said, Chelsea, they've kind of. Um, this season's taken a turn for the better since they've um, had such link, a fairly convincing result against a, a very good Atletico side at the moment. Um, you know, is this as good a chance as Chelsea have had in a in a long time? And, and you know, is it is it a case that they, um, you know, not necessarily prioritise the Champions League, but as in, it's been a little while since Chelsea have been in this position in the Champions League, if I remember correctly. So, as in, why not go for it? Um, and I guess this is what I'm saying, as in, if you look at each team's perspective, if things fall in their favour, I guess, for want of a better phrase, it could, it's anyone's guess, really. Um, That's why we why we love it. That it, Exactly, David. That's why this podcast exists, because we love stuff like this. <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right then. Let's let's do it this way. We all have to give who we think is going to win. Jack Freeman, who's going to win the Champions League? <laughs> See, I did say Bayern Munich at the beginning, but I he's net... backtracking now. Yeah, I am backtracking. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say against all odds. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Chelsea. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, Dan, who do you think is going to win? There's no backtracking here. I'm sticking with Bayern. Okay, I'm going to go with PSG. I think Pochettino is going to take him to the next level. PSG. There we are. Yeah, I, I genuinely, you know, is in like, I, I don't know. I just, I've always really rated Pochettino as a manager, and I think he could finally be the man to to take them to the to the Champions League. You know, um. But like, let's not forget, Paris Saint-Germain got to the Champions League final last time. So, clearly they've got a good enough team to to get there. Um, can they go to the next step? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, from Champions League football to Championship football. Where the real Seamless. football is... Where, thank you. <laughs> where, uh, where, where the real football is played, Ada. Where the real football happens. Where the real football happens. There we are. Um, right, so how... Jack, I don't know what your knowledge of the Championship is this season, because you uh, you follow Forest, don't you? I am a part-time supporter of Nottingham Forest, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, I think if you own a season ticket at least once to a club, you are entitled to own a fanship of that team. Um, <laughs> so I did own a season ticket for two years, so I feel like I, I'm accredited as a Nottingham Forest fan on the side. Okay. <laughs> Can't argue with that. So, um, Dav, how, how has the season been shaping up? Well, it is all, all to play for, really, I would say. Um, <laughs> I genuinely think it is the most competitive league, I'd say in Europe, but therefore the world, because... <laughs> I think, I I, I think so on a, on its on 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 your day, any team can beat anyone. Yeah, mm. Definitely, and that's, I know that true. I know that that is true in the Premier League as well. But there is that 
there's I feel like there's a higher level of unpredictability when you get to the championship. Yeah. Well, yeah. and um, which, I, and, and yeah. the thing is as well, like even as somebody who doesn't necessarily follow championship football closely, it just seems relentless. It's just like game after game after game, and it just feels like it just it, like they're just constantly played. Um, I don't know whether that's yeah. wrong, but th- yeah, that's how it no, feels. No, like no, especially this season. Especially this season, with it being so condensed, it's it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, pretty much every week. And there's you play eight games more in the championship compared, yeah, yeah, to the Premier. I mean, yeah. So you know, it's not just the Premier League managers that are saying about fixtures. I think yeah. um, it's the, it's the same in, in the championship. I think a couple of highlights from the way that the season has panned out. I've got like no association with them, but I feel sorry for Wickham, the bottom of the league. It's their first time they've ever been in the championship and they've had to do it more or less, apart from two games in December where the fans were allowed in. They've not had any fans. Oh, that's um, rubbish, isn't it? Man. Yeah, so it, they are... Like you saw the passion of Akin Fenwar when they got promoted in the playoffs and, you know... Yeah, yeah, exactly. ...going around, but yeah, that's not good. They're 12 points off safety, so I'll be, it'll be a great escape if they get out from there. So um, that's a shame for them. Um and then probably one of, I would say, the most high-profile um, appointment of, of the season was probably um, Wayne Rooney becoming Derby's manager. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I've seen a couple of uh, jokier things about like the way that certain players finish their career and maybe Derby County isn't the place you want to <laughs> finish. But um, <laughs> you know, given, given what Rooney is, is, yes. did in his career... Yeah, it's um, a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. So he's he's um, at Derby, pulled them out of of relegation. They're not out of the woods, but um, no. I'll be looking, honest, they're looking very pretty similar safe. situation to Forest for a bit, where I think both of them were languishing a little bit closer than they thought they wanted to be. So, uh, I mean, I'm glad Forest is a little bit further up, but yeah. So, so yeah. Pat- so there's there's three quarters of the season gone now. Um, and this, you still can't really make too many. You can make, you can't. There isn't too much nailed on apart from poor old Wickham at the bottom. Poor old. To be fair, I've I've had a partial eye on Swansea for a while in terms of watching them in the league, and they have gradually been picking it up. Am I wrong? Is it because you were like, I don't know where you were. You're about mid table somewhere, but you've just gone position, 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 position. You're now all up in third. Like, is it just all the second half of the season charge or? Were they just unlucky at the beginning, or is this just, you know, gradually been happening? Yeah, I think it's been more gradual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, the last few games, actually, I don't think we've played that well. Um, mm. I think we're under, we are underperforming a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've actually we've come unstuck on having some games postponed. So you're playing catch up mm. and, and playing games in like we played Blackburn midweek last week when most teams had a week off. Um, and those little things make a difference at this this stage of the season. So we've yeah. been, I think we've been we've been there or thereabouts all season, really. Um, and I think it's just a case of, as with all things in this league, it's it's just grinding away really and trying to keep up keep up with everyone. Mm. Yeah, you notice that you've you've actually not scored very many goals this season compared to a lot of the other teams, but your defense yeah. is absolutely on fire by the looks of things. Is that is that well? What's happening there? Have you not got a good striker, or? Well, we haven't really got an out and out striker. Oh. That was one of the difficulties with we had Brewster on loan second mm, half of last season. Yeah, 
and he came and scored some goals, and he's an out-and-out centre so centre forward. We've got Andre Ayew, who has stayed on uh, at the club, like the highest-paid player by a mile, but he isn't an out-and-out. He's a forward, but he's not a striker. Yeah, he's like a centre forward, isn't he? He's a kind of that weird. Yeah, he's a link-up guy. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. He's not an out. He's not a natural. He's not a finisher. Finisher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then last summer, we brought in Jamal Lowe from Wigan for mm. 800 grand, which was a good deal. And he has played well for us. He scored some goals. But again, he's not an out-and-out striker. And, I, and he's on a really poor run in front of goal at the moment. Like, I don't think he scored in, like, 14 games. Yeah. Um, so, rough, we don't it? Yeah, we, we don't have an out-and-out forward. Um, and unfortunately, the guy that was brought in from the... We brought in a guy on loan from Seattle Sounders... Um, and he did his ACL against Huddersfield a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not really, it's not really gone, gone for them. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. So, to be fair, they've played to their strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, play, play three centre-backs, play with two wing-backs. So, we play, we play in a very efficient way, very structured way. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think we've got, we've got 18 clean sheets this season, the highest... Uh, number in in the league, so yeah, defense is certainly what it's been built upon. Mm. And most times this season, and maybe it's only twice it hasn't happened where if we've scored first, we've gone on to win the game. Yeah, uh, the Sam Allardyce motto: score first. Yeah, yeah, which which is um, which is a good thing to have. But then, as you as you say, Jack, I think maybe we've only scored, we've maybe only scored three goals in the league. Maybe once or twice. So, yeah, yeah, it's certainly um, not ideal. And we've been, we have been grinding out results recently and getting some mm. some lucky decisions with last minute penalties and things. But yeah, that's the way. That's the way it, it goes in in the division, really. Mm. In terms of the other teams, I don't know how much of a, an eye you're keeping on them, but Norwich look like they're going up in terms of they got a ten point gap on Watford in second. Um, yeah. Should I be putting Timu Puki in my fantasy team next year? Or is he uh, not doing the bits this year? Well, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's one of those things with Puki, though, isn't it? Like, I think he scored, I want to say 22 goals. He certainly he certainly scored 20 goals this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he did the same two seasons ago. And then in the Prem last year, he started well and then, and then tailed off. There is a difference between the Premier League mm-hmm. and the Championship when it comes to time and space. Um, I I feel like there are some players as well who kind of not too good, but as in they're very good in the championship, and then they kind of they're almost like in between championship and Premier League level. Um, and like you said, as in Pookie kind of started well, didn't he last season? And then he kind of just fizzled out a little bit. Um, yeah, but who knows? That could have just been a bit unlucky. Yeah, I think Norwich looked pretty. They had a little wobble a few games ago. Mm. But they've won. I think they've won their last six in a row, or last eight in a row, or something mm. like that. Oh, wow. yeah, um, that's what you need. So they've opened that gap up again now, and it, it's looking pretty good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what 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 are you think in terms of uh, playoffs? Do you, firstly, do you think Swansea would be in the playoffs, or do you think they'll have nabbed that uh, that second promoted <clears throat> automatic promotion spot? Well, I think. You know, it's a it's a it's a playoff minimum now. I I would like to think. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it all. De- I genuinely, having watched the 
recently, last couple of games, I think it's a case of you've got a you've got the South Wales derby on Saturday. Ideally, you win that, and then you just have two weeks off because they look out on their feet a little bit. There's a bit yeah. of there's a bit of fatigue in the legs, and I think that's all to do with if we can win on Saturday and keep if we can keep the gap to three points because we've got a game in hand on Watford. Mm, um, yeah. You win that, and then you've got from Saturday. There's the Swans will have nine games left. So then you, that's your mini season then. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, at the moment, if they carry on playing the way they are, I'm not sure they will get that automatic spot. But this league is all, it, it's all about it momentum. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about momentum. So <laughs> if I was to, if I was to ask you, here's a little uh, teaser for you. What team would you say in the last 10, 12 games has got the most points? Who's the, who is the informed team in the championship at the moment? Well, I'd be cheating because I can see the form chart on our table. But um, so I'd probably say Norwich because they won the last five. But uh, in terms of from looking at that table, who's done well? Well, you can answer Norwich if you want, but that isn't the answer. Really? really? Yeah. Is it going to be Barnsley? Yeah. Let's go. They've oh, come. They've come. They've, they've, they've come from nowhere. They've really? come from, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've won. I think they've won nine out of their last ten. Um, wow. But they've not lost in their last. They've not lost in their last twelve. Um, impressive, isn't it? Yeah, but you kind is... of think, with the greatest amount of respect to Barnsley, you just think, you know, Barnsley, like they don't have, <laughs> they don't have a, pre- you know, they've not been in the Premier League. They haven't got any big time players, so to speak, in that way. But I watched them play Chelsea in FA Cup not that long ago, and they narrowly lost one 0 and put up a good performance. Mm. Um, and yeah, so they seem to be to be playing very well and. It, it looks like if they can keep that up, they'll have they'll have come from a little way out to to sneak well, in. Well, and to be honest with you, like looking at that, you know, we've got a on our notes here, we've got a snippet of the top nine. Like apart from Barnsley and Brentford, you know, like the majority of those teams have been in the Premier League fairly recently. Like yeah. that's a competitive top nine, and like Brentford's kind of they almost looked nailed on, didn't they, towards the end of last season? Then it dropped off quite badly for them. Am I right in oh. saying that? crazy how on earth they didn't make it in the end they were I mean they were in a situation on the last game of the season where they could have won it but ended up finishing third and losing in the playoffs is that is that right yeah. and I think they lost to Barnsley actually in that game did they oh there we are yeah yeah it's in it, you know it's in, that's, that's a strong that's a strong well, yeah, you look at 7th 8th ninth. that's Bournemouth Middlesbrough Cardiff all teams that have been in the Prem within the last five years yeah, yeah. And like the next three above them are Brentford Barnsley Reading D- does that sort of experience of being in the Prem um, and sort of being through the rigmarole and the process of the sort of playoff football for you know quite a number of years do you think that's going to pay off do you think all three of Brentford Barnsley and Reading are going to stay within that cluster of playoff potential ones because I mean you look at Brentford last season it's like how on earth they managed to miss out but do you reckon that could be down to the fact that they haven't had that experience at the top before? Uh, possibly I mean they were unlucky last season I don't think anyone would have begrudged them if they'd gone up because they do play a very attractive style of football mm-hmm. and I think you've got, you've got to say fair play to them for being there again because they lost Ollie Watkins yeah. to Villa, yeah. they lost Saeed Bin Rama to West Ham so they had some they of their better players. Yeah. They had some of their better players picked off, um, and yeah, you know they're 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 about again. I think well, one of the keys. Well, yeah, exactly. But one of the key things is that you look at the three teams that came down last season: Norwich, Watford, 
and then Bournemouth who are in seventh admittedly they've fallen away a little bit recently having uh, changed managers but those three teams have mainly kept their squad from last season together mm. Mm. They've, they've got they've got rid of a few players but you look at Norwich City they've still got they've got Pookie up front they've got Campwell in midfield They've got cruelling goal, so they've kept a lot of their. Um, it's a lot of experience, there, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of experience. So it's that kind of. It was almost like they had a managed relegation last season. They were kind of buying into a bigger project of. Yes. We're going to get relegated. We get you get up. You get a lot of money when you get relegated. Yeah, you get through parachute, parachute payments. payments for three years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is why Villa had to make it uh, two years ago because if they didn't make it in the playoffs that year they wouldn't have had the parachute money anymore and then they'd really be in trouble. And to, like you were saying about them keeping those squads, they're keeping those squads on the basis of the money they're getting to pay those wages for three years. After that point, you're in no man's land, no no more help anymore. Yeah, yeah. That- which is why when you look at your teams like um, Stoke City, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they took that gamble, that hasn't paid off. Swans came down the same time as Stoke and so the parachute payments end this season. Um, yeah, so it does affect you. Fin- it does affect you financially, definitely. And I guess what what you're saying, Dave, about the, um, you know, like looking at it as a longer term project. That's kind of going back to what we were saying with Chris Wilder and Sean Dyche, isn't it? As in, you know, like, is it a bit short sighted of Sheffield to go right with sacking you now because it hasn't worked out? As in, you know, like you know, um, Burnley like Sheffield are that- going down regardless. Yeah, There's exactly. Not a chance they're staying up. So it's like, why don't they just? Stick with exactly. stay with the same system, try yeah. and come back up. And you know, like, and I think nowadays, as in that seems to be, you know, like you look at Norwich, like you said, Dav, um, they they've kept their manager, haven't they? You know, they they've done well, they've kept their good players, they've gone right, okay, we've been relegated, but this is part of a longer term, a long. But then they 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 sacked um the manager who went up with them, didn't they? Halfway through their season in the Prem, well, Norwich. Yes, I'm. Yeah, not last season. I, I'm, no, I don't think they did. Oh, I'm incorrect on that. Then apologies. No. Me. They brought they brought Farker in, um, yeah. like the season before. Ah, oh, right, right. To be fair, what I thought, it was... I thought they sacked him halfway through. That was all. Watford... Yeah, Watford are still yeah. sacking man- managers like no one's business. Like that's just the way. <laughs> that's just the way they roll, and it seems yeah. to work for them generally. To be fair, uh, you always get that new manager bounce. So if you just sack them eight times a season, you've got, got eight waves of four <laughs> games where you get that new manager bounce. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, that's a, that's a sustainable way to run a football club. Uh, uh, once one works, you're great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just like, because, like I said, because I've not particularly followed the championship, like that top nine is really impressive. Like it's a solid, the solid, as in, you know, it's a, it's a tough one to call, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. To, to be fair, the when you watch championship football, it is far and away more entertaining to watch than silky smooth football in the top of the Premier League because it is just raw passion on show. Teams just trying every tactic in the world, lumping it into the box, you got it. Playing it through the middle, you got it. Is it championship just has everything. And mm. when, when, as you were saying earlier, anyone can beat anyone. It's just so true. You don't see Manchester City lose to Sheffield United, but you can watch Norwich and there's a chance they might lose to one of those bottom guys because it's just that much tighter. Just such, mm. a, good, such a good division to watch. Yeah. Should we move on to our shock of the week? I am happy to move on to the shock of the week. 
Um, cool, cool, cool. Who wants to go first? I don't mind. I went first last time. Somebody else want to go first? I'll I'll go first because I'll get this out of the way. Um, and I just want to put this out there. If anyone has listened to this podcast the first time, I'm not usually this salty when it comes to things related to Liverpool. Um, Jack may disagree with me on that one. But anyway, um, my shock of the week is Gareth Southgate's reasoning for leaving Trent Alexander-Arnold out of the England squad. Um, and basically, his justification was, oh, he's not been playing particularly well recently. And it's like, mate, you've been picking Jordan Pickford in goals for about five years. <laughs> like, no, see, I disagree. I do. I think his reasoning was sound because the I feel like the logic behind what he was saying was, I've got Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier, I've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I've got a couple of guys in the under twenty ones. And if you look at what Trent's done this year, it's not been great. No, in comparison, but but bad enough to not even be in the squad. I'm not saying he has to start, but to say he's not even in the squad. Do you, do you get the luxury of taking three or four right backs to a into a set of internationals? I think you've got to prioritise the midfield usually, haven't you? Well, I mean, I think I, I, ironically, Liverpool fans over the moon. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Is in like with all the break. injury troubles we've had, it's it's kind of just like a fine. We'll keep him at Liverpool for a bit. Um, mm. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is in like I feel like Gareth Southgate has been. Um, like for example, he's taken Eric Dyer. Yeah, okay, that one. Well, that one doesn't quite make sense to me. But he's I still mean... living off that penalty in the World Cup, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Is it like how can Gareth Southgate say, "Oh, I'm not picking him because he's not playing well," and then pick Eric Dyer? Like because he did play well once <laughs> against Colombia. <laughs> Don't forget that. There we are. Salty, salty rant over. Um, right, Jack. Do you wanna do you wanna go next? Yeah, happy to. Um, my shock of the week was in uh, the Paris Nice cycling. Uh, this not, I, th- I think it was the week just gone or halfway into this week. Mm. But uh, going into the final stage, Primoz Roglic, the guy who lost the Tour de France on the final stage last year, um, just because he basically got outcycled in the final stage. Uh, this time, though, was not really of his own doing, more than the fact that he crashed. But he crashed twice on the final stage got gapped to the main group and the main group had the guys who were second and third in it and they kind of just told all of their assistant mm-hmm. cyclists with them in their team their domestiques their super domestiques they said right let's speed it up let's leave them for dust and both teams worked in unison usually you'll find one team sits at the front and they'll cycle, they'll rotate amongst each other but these two teams combined to make an enormous um, train of people who were rotating at the front who was sort of doing all their work and they just gapped him like mad and he ended up losing Paris Nice despite dominating the competition up to that final stage he, like, he, I think he won three of the seven stages but yeah ended up losing it the guy called Max Schachmann uh, is the guy who ended up winning it and it was just like a oh the shot like it was just like it was a foregone conclusion that Primoz was going to win that um competition and ended up losing it on the last stage with two crashes very unlucky wow and again that's why sport is great isn't it even when someone's nailed on doesn't happen mm-hmm. there we are that's a good one good one well by um, shock i am taking my my physical reaction to a sporting event in uh, the last week and that came when maru Otoji okay. fell over the line against france on the weekend not 
Some, I'll be honest, I didn't you watch could, You could games, say so that I'm just having a dig because it's a shot better than tell. one, which, you know, you might you might take it as that. But um, it was more the fact, as <laughs> we've come on to in a second, how important that try was for um, for Wales' chances. Um, and, yeah, given given the way that England had been yes. playing, I think uh, you could say and maybe it was a bit of a shot. Point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I can't can't argue with that. And on that note, good good segue, Dav. Done well, eh? You know, yeah. you're welcome. You you've smashed that, mate. Well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, on well, should we do should we do England France first then? Or should, oh, no, no, we'll, yeah, do England France first. Or, or do we England want Wales Italy first? Because that was kind of the uh, I guess there's a lot less to talk about with Wales Italy, isn't it? In all honesty, yeah. Literally, all of the notes I put was, was there any doubt? I mean, it was pretty much... I don't think anybody thought Italy had a chance, and they didn't. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm... Wales came out the gates firing. They obliterated. <laughs> um, but yeah, wasn't even a contest. Well, I mean, the thing is, is in up until now, there's kind of been a question mark of, um, you know, what things have fallen Wales' way, haven't they? It's like, kind of been two mm. red cards. It was the... The controversial decisions against England by the referee, um, but ultimately, you know, the, the gap between Wales and Italy, I think, is pretty much exactly the same to what it was between France and Italy. You know, and everyone was saying our oh, France are favourites up until this weekend. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I think the thing that was most satisfying uh, as a Welsh fan was that. Yeah, you I think seems so it, clinical. What the, no. I, but the thing oh. with that though is that in the Cutting past, like a hot knife. typically because you always see easy Italy as an easy win, you make some changes, you do a little bit of experimenting. But Pivac mm. named a really strong team um, because he wants yeah, that yeah. momentum. Like mm-hmm. we haven't been at our most fluent earlier in the tournament, um, so it was a real primer really for this mm. um, weekend. And yeah, like I, like you say, it was the manner of the win that was most pleasing. So I don't think there was any doubt we'd beat them, but the way that we beat them, we were very mm. clinical. And the tr- no. you know we scored seven tries. Like in mm. in international rugby, mm. wherever you're playing, seven tries is a good return. Um, and I think that I think that was the pleasing thing. The way that mm. we won the game, it wasn't just a get over the line, couple of points, labour through against a team we should beat. It was convincing. Yeah, which is what the best teams in the world have to do, isn't it? Exactly. Well, and yeah, absolutely. And I guess the thing that, you know, going back to what you were saying about the, um, you know, it's tempting for managers to kind of change it up, you know, rest players, try things, experiment, blah, blah, blah. You know, it would have been really tempting for Pivak to do that because we, you know, we got a bonus point against England, which, mm. you know, at the start of the tournament, you you would never, like, as a, I maybe you guys did, but I would never have dreamed of. So there's even more temptation then to go, right, well, there's there's less pressure then to go and get the bonus point against Italy because we've got one against the opposition that we never thought we'd ever get a bonus point. Um, yeah, like you say, Dav, it was a, it was a, I thought it was a really clinical performance. Um, you know, we seemed really creative, which, and particularly for Dan Bigger as well, because, you know, I feel like um, there have been points, you know, me, me included, where, you know, People have said, "Oh, you know, he's not creative enough." And because look, Dan Bigger is excellent with, uh, he's excellent. Like he's a great kicker, isn't he? Isn't he? He plays the margins well. Um, he puts Wales in good positions. But you know, there've been question marks over whether he's 
creative enough. But some of his passes were flat right to the line against City, which you know it was really impressive to watch. Um, so yeah, yeah. So was was it him who did the yeah, pass but... that was forward to uh, Reece Samet, which didn't get counted as a try? Yes, could have been eight. Could have been eight. <laughs> could have been eight. <laughs> So, so we get seven, and then Jack Freeman's here going, ah, oh, but it could have been eight. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, you are right. But, um, yeah, and Lewis yeah, Summit, as we said earlier, was looking like absolute lightning. Um, yeah, it was just a really good performance, in all honesty. Really good performance. Um, and like you said, Jack, there wasn't really any doubt. That, and like you said, Dad, no. like it, the nature of the performance is pleasing more than the result itself. Uh, well, it was nice that he decided to rest people in the second half rather than the first Set the momentum, batter them, then rest everybody. Well, to, to, and I think that's, yeah. yeah, to be honest with you, when he made so many changes, I was like, oh gosh, he's made a lot of changes because he he brought off yeah. um, Gareth Davis. Oh, did he bring off Gareth Davis? Yeah, I think he did. I think he brought off Gareth Davis, um, Dan Bigger. He brought off Alan Wynn. He brought off, uh, I think he changed like the whole of the front row at one point. Um, yeah, he made loads of changes. He brought on um, yeah, Polo center, at, yeah. um you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was a thirteen, wasn't it? It was on. He was on for North. Well, it's John. Actually, but no, I lost track. That he made so many changes, and for a little bit, it looked like the momentum had just stunted. And you were like, oh, you know, leave him on for an extra ten minutes. But then they picked up again. So yeah, it was it was very impressive. Very impressive. All set up for. A good, well, I think uh, that's what was in his mind. Yeah, they had the bonus point by half time. Um, they got they got they got to fifteen they got to fifty minutes and you you yeah, typically definitely. do clear the bench in the second half in rugby union these days so it made sense to do to with one yeah. eye on this weekend really wasn't oh, yeah. it you want Alan Wynne Jones you want George North you want them fit well, and I think to be honest with you like you said not more than any other sport I think rugby it is all about you know when when the game is out of sight it's like right get them off. Put them in bubble wrap. Let's just protect them for the next game. You know, as in, oh, it's a gladiatorial sport. Well, it is, and you know, like proper crunching. Yeah, exactly. like people like Alan Wynne Jones. You know, as in the guy is just an absolute unit. The last thing you'd want is for him to get injured for the French game. You know, captain, mm. leader, and is in injured in the second half against Italy when the game's already gone. So, yeah, I, I think you're right, Dan. I think he just used his head a little bit. It was like, well, the game's gone. Let's give some people a run out and get the game home. I guess. Um, moving on from that game, then France England was uh, well, it was a bit of a thriller. I thought I thought it was a cracking game. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I I can't remember. Like, I wouldn't say it was the most high quality game I've seen, but it's got to be one of the most intense. As in, like, it just didn't stop for eighty minutes. Yeah, well, Dupont du- scored like straight away, brutal. didn't he? Basically, um, like after a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah, straight away. And to be honest with you, the physicality, I know I know it's a bit of a cliche in rugby nowadays, but the physicality of the game was ridiculous, as in players were flying into tackles. Uh, so that's just what you want, being a Welsh fan, knowing you're going up against France after they've lost in such a grueling game. Well, this is, That's going to double down yes, that, physically right. and mentally broke. Absolutely, because, you know, as in, if France had won that game, yes, they'd be, they'd be hurting physically, but they'd be like, We've got through an absolutely, we got through a battle here, and we we come out the other side with a win. Whereas now they've they've got the physicality, you know, they they've got all of the, the wounds, I guess, but they haven't got the win on the other side. So yes, it's a like you said, Jack, it's almost double down for for France really. Um, but it could have gone either way, really. In all honesty, you know, as in, yeah, 
I just thought it was a really good game. Um, so, but go, going on about France, though, do you think they're actually as good as everyone was making out of them? Because I mean, going into the Six Nations, they were the favourites. Mm, I think. Mm. I think most people would say they're probably on balance on paper. People thought they they had a really good shot mm. at it, but I mean, they've beaten a pretty bad Italy side. Mm-hmm. And they beat a good island, but then they've lost to an England side and they've had a COVID mm. cancellation for mm. the game against yeah. Scotland. So it's like, well, are they actually that good? Well, <laughs> I think like that's really, slightly disrespectful to Ireland because <laughs> to only to you, I don't think you own I don't think you only beat Ireland. Like Ireland are a very good team. <laughs> um yeah. and you've possibly answered your own question yeah. in mm. mentioning COVID because what we gotta remember is the the game that France had called off was the, the middle game week of the Six Nations with the rest week either side. So by the time France mm-hmm. came to play, well, yeah, it, it was three Saturdays, three but weeks, actually yeah. four weeks. So for some French players, they hadn't played in a month. Some of those That's players crazy. who were on the field yeah. last week had had COVID. And even though they would, they'd recovered, you know, we, we don't know the the physical effects fully, you know, if that meant that DuPont was on 80% starting instead of 100%, those things make it, they, those things do make a difference. So yeah, I think that COVID has got something to answer for there in that if, I think if France played England the week after they played Ireland, I think they would have beaten them. Yeah. Mm. That, that's the point actually, you know, is in this, um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and you know rugby again. It's another, it's another one of those games. that is about momentum, isn't it? And I think Wales have, have very much shown that this year, uh, this um, tournament. You know they've not exactly been vintage for all of the time that they've been playing, but you know they, they've ground out victories, kept the momentum going. Um, I mean, I think this year is a bit of a weird one because you know going into the tournament, like France were favourites, I think. Um, England haven't, well, actually, let's not start with England. I think, you know, Wales and Ireland, you know, Wales are coming off the back of a, a difficult um, autumn series. Um, you know, Pivak had been in the job for a year and you were kind of looking at it, me included, going, is he the right man for the job? Um, you know, Ireland, they've had, I feel like Ireland right now are going through a bit of a change in the guard, you know, as and they've got um, perhaps some older players who are, in that kind of tricky phase where they're not, they're still good enough to pick, but you've got to kind of have an eye on the future as well. Also with a new coach and Andy Farrell. Um, so I don't know, I guess in a weird sense, there's a little bit of, not that you don't expect much from Wales and Ireland, because obviously they're, they're two of the, generally two of the more successful sides in the tournament, but, you know, there's a lot going on there. Whereas with England, you know, as in, it's, you know, they've got Eddie Jones as their coach and it has been. I think the thing that's gone against England is the whole debacle with the Saracens in all honesty, is in like players like Billy Vunapola are only now, like towards the last game of the tournament, looking like they're even remotely match fit. Um but yeah, I don't know. I feel like Ireland isn't quite as threatening a prospect as um as it has been in previous years. Um I mean to be honest, I think I'd probably agree with Dav in what he says about France. I think, you know, the... do you do you still think that the French side <clears throat> was the best is is the best side this year? Um, I think if they hadn't had COVID, I would have said yes. 
to be honest with you. Mm. As in, I feel like because they've got, you know, like Dupont is the best number nine in the world. And, and to be honest with you, right now, Dupont is the best player in the world. I think it's as simple as that. As in, he is just unbelievably good. Um, I don't know. They, they just seem to. It's, it's a shame that they had COVID, to be honest with you, because I think now it'll always be a bit of a question mark. And, and to be honest with you... Do you, really, do you reckon they can really put that much on COVID? Well, I, I think that's... Well, it's, <sighs> but it's not just COVID, though, is it? Because it's like Dad said, it's, and you've got the COVID aspect in terms of how it affects players physically. But then also, it's it's a month without rugby. And that, in I feel like in rugby, like that sort of momentum, it's, it's absolutely huge with the Six Nations. It's absolutely massive. Um. So, yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's only one... I get what you're saying about, you know, they, they've only beaten... I say only, they've beaten Italy convincingly. And, OK, Ireland aren't necessarily what they have been in the past, but it's still Ireland, as in, you know, they're, they're still a good side. Um, but as in, to be honest with you, I think the, the real test is when it's... It's as simple as when it's Wales versus France. Right now, I think it's as simple as that. Because um, England have kind of come from a couple of poor results and managed to put a win together. Um, and, you know, equally, you could say the same about England with, you know, the, this situation with the Saracens. Has that impacted their tournament? You know, as in, like, England in that game against France were looking sharp, I would say. It's, it's the best they've been in the tournament so far. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be a bit of a weird one, really. I, I it's, it's really difficult to judge. I mean, at the end of the day, I think... It's as simple as the table doesn't lie, and I think that's how it. That's how it'll, you know, we'll really know whether France are what we thought they were, or whether it is a case of nearly men. I guess. Well, speaking of the table, Wales nine points ahead of France. Mm. Um, <clears throat> do you reckon? Do you reckon there's any chance France can win it? I mean, I've put the permutations for France to win in mm. uh, the notes, and it's. Well, I if they want to win outright on points, France need to get a bonus point win against both Wales and Scotland and beat Wales by more than seven. Mm. But if they just want to do it on points difference, or goals, or I would say goals difference doesn't really make sense, but yeah, points difference mm-hmm. as in the score, mm-hmm. um, they only have to get a bonus point in one of them. Or they just beat Wales by less... Oh, what was that one? Or beat Wales by less than seven but then make sure they outscore them. So, so there's a couple of different ways it can go. Um, yeah, I mean, but do, do you reckon... Go on. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different permutations, and I think that's, the, yeah. that's a good thing about the situation. But, 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 but go on. In a simplified way, I just put it as, France just need to beat Wales by at least seven. Mm. And then going into the Scotland game, they just got to put up as many points as they can to win it. Do, do you reckon there's a chance that France could... Do both of those things? Um, I think so. I, To be honest with you, I think it's going to come down to the mental impact of the England-France game. I think if France can kind of get themselves together and go, right, we go again, as in the way France played last week, as in I, I would back France to beat Wales, in all honesty. Um, you know, as in, let's be fair, like, like despite having had four weeks off, multiple players with COVID, they've only lost to England by three points when it's England's best performance in the championship. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's very doable. Very doable. Um, 
And, you know, I, I guess the, the thing with France is it is very much still a case of it's in their hands. And I think that that's such mm-hmm. a huge motivator for a player. If you know that you can influence what's going to happen going forward. Um, yeah. I think the shame is that it's see what almost Super Saturday, isn't it? It's not Super Saturday. It's oh, it's just about Super Saturday. Not yes. quite. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, weird... Yeah, yeah, yes. and that takes the shine off it Super a little Saturday, bit because part one. You know, um, were fans to beat Wales on Saturday evening, everyone goes, "Oh, right, okay, we'll uh, come back on Friday, see what happens." Because they, it's um, they've fans are playing Scotland <laughs> next Friday, aren't they? So that's when it's been rescheduled for. Um, yeah. So you know they'll have to play two games in six days, mm. but uh, yeah, I, I think the mental aspect of it is is right because on paper mm. you would say like the the French. Do look so dangerous, like their back, their back line, like Teddy Thomas, Vakatawa, oh, Fico, Peno, like Jalibert up line half. You know, they have got quality in Jalibert that team. As well. But then, yeah. you know, if you're in, if you're in the the mm. Welsh camp, you're thinking like, you know, things have things have gone for us this tournament, and and they've they've clicked more that they, the more that they've gone on, like. It, the first three games of the tournament, I didn't think I didn't mm. think they'd beat Ireland. I didn't think they'd beat Scotland, and I didn't think they'd beat England. But here we are, having won four in a row. No, same. Um, I think so much of it is, is, is mental, isn't it? Really, if if they get, if they get themselves up for it, and if you can't get yourself up yeah, for a, for a game like this on Saturday, then you know, you're, yeah, you're in the wrong job, aren't you? So I think you never will, yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's just going to come down to that that psychological impact. And you know, you know, you've got to look at it like Dupont is playing again. Olivon is playing. Uh, their captain, he's play- both of them had COVID, and a couple of others did. I don't think we can. I, I it's one of those mysteries, isn't it? Mm. You know, I know it's a different sport, but in when Newcastle had yeah, Newcastle United had COVID in their squad. You had some players like Sam Maximan. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he didn't come back for months, did he? He was properly top of their game, and yeah, it affects them. Even though these guys might not have been impacted in exactly the same way, you just don't mm. know the the effect that 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 will have. Um, but I, I I would like to think you know you get to the point now where you've just got to say ah oh, you know I think Wales will win because I haven't said it up to now, so you've got to say it, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. My, oh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's such a tricky one to call. I, I really don't know how it's going to go. Um, well, well, Wales beat England, and England beat France, <laughs> so therefore <laughs> Wales are going to win this all. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, should we do a brief? Uh... Well, actually, no. Hang on. You've, you've got some more notes here. Let's have a look. No, it's, it's all good. That's it. I did put about England. Are they a good? Well, was this a sign that England are going to sort of stick it all together? Like because there was there was questions about are they going to rebuild? Are they going to clear out? You know the old guard mm. of Owen Fowler and a couple of them. But does a does a performance like this sort of say, mm. yeah, okay, they'll stick with this for the, at least yeah. the World Cup? I mean, to be honest with you, the thing that hasn't really been talked about a lot, and it's probably because there's still question marks, is the Lions. Is in what is this going to do for the mm. Lions squad? As in, you know, you've got a lot of players, well, particularly from the Welsh team, who at the start of the tournament probably wouldn't have really been considered, who have basically played themselves into the tournament, I think. 
sorry, into the into the lion squad. So, but yeah, sorry, Jack. In answer to your question, I just went on a bit of a tangent. Then in answer to your question, you know, I think England has still got you know, as in like Owen Farrell for me is the best. Um, he's the best inside centre in the in the Northern Hemisphere. Personally, I think um, you know they, they they're still a very good side with England, but I don't know. They seem to have like. A few of these kind of like mini dawns where they, they'll have like one absolutely outstanding game. Um, mm. And I, I don't know, I always feel like with England, they have such a huge talent pool, you know, as in. Well, it's 30 times bigger than Wales is <laughs> with their 60 million population mm. to our three. You know, as in going, 20 times. going into that game with France, yeah. as in if England lost, England were kind of looking at the prospect of finishing fifth potentially, which. That would have been embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's almost unhuge of. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird tournament for England, really. Um, I guess we'll just have to see what the mm. table is like at the end. The table doesn't lie. Um, final game of the weekend, then, was Scotland versus Ireland. Um, Ireland winning 27-24. I don't know. I feel, to be honest with you, because did you watch this game, Jack, or did you say you didn't watch it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, did I, not I watch watched it. Today. I mean, did, did you watch it, Dan? I kept tabs on it. Okay, I mean, I feel like it was a bit of a, uh, in terms of quality, I feel like it was a slight step down from uh, France. Yeah, it was England. a different kind of game. A bit unfair. Uh, what were your thoughts, I think, but I don't think, I don't think Scotland mm. could complain ultimately. Uh, I mean, it was interesting, you mentioned the Lions, it was kind of billed a little bit as Saxon no. versus Russell for like a potential, you know, we do this in a Lions year, two potential fly halves. They play yeah, yeah. very different ways. Um, Sexton controls the game much better than Russell, but Russell can, mm. can he does things that other fly halves don't really spot mm. or, or do. Um, but, but you know, Sexton, based on that game, Sexton mm. is your fly half of the Lions at the moment because he set up a try with that cross kick. Um, he controlled the game, yeah. and crucially, he kicked his pressure penalty, mm. whereas Russell did miss one, which was a bit more straightforward earlier in the match. So, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was a, a different different game. Mm. I always think they are a little bit when when it's like a home nations game. Sometimes it can be a little bit more att- attritional, but mm. yes, yeah, that's that's not a bad point actually. And well, and you know, you look at the way that um, islands have kind of moved. I feel like there's been a bit of a shift with islands, as in islands have always been kind of um, very tactically astute, quite creative. But as in, in terms of physicality, they've always been a bit on the lighter side. Whereas I feel like under Andy Farrell, they've become a bit more of a unit, really, to be honest. Um, and you know, I feel like Scotland have kind of shored themselves up a bit, as in two or three years ago, is in, you, you looked at Scotland and you would think there's the potential that they could score 50, but also concede 50 in one game. Um, so like you said, Dan, I think it was a bit of an attritional battle. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts were, Jack, following it. Uh, I was just, I was keeping tabs <clears throat> on BBC Sport app. Yeah. And I did notice that Ireland won up 24-10 mm. and somehow Scotland brought it all the way back to 24 apiece. Mm. Uh, I was just, bizarre. I was amazed. I was mm. thinking... What's going on in that game? I thought it was all done and dusted mm. before I checked back at it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't really have too many thoughts on it. I mean, it, yeah. the thing with Scotland is as well is in, is it a case of another bit of a false dawn? As in, you know, they got that result against England, you know, at Twickenham, and you're like, have, have Sky, have um, 
sorry, Scotland finally got the monkey off their back. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at the table and is it who have they got left to play, Scotland? Italy. They're the it, fortunate it, yeah, ones. Yeah, Italy and France. Oh, and and France, yeah. So they to be fair, as much as it's like, oh, they're fifth, it's like they have got to play Italy, which yeah. everybody else has. Mm. So instantly there's four points, is it for a win? Mm. Is that right? Yeah, four, so instantly you go up to 10. So at least level mm. of England at that stage. Mm. But also, I mean, it's not inconceivable that Scotland can beat France. Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. There's a chance. Mm. There's a chance. <laughs> so who knows? They could end up finishing second or third. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a difficult one to call. I feel like this has been a bit of a topsy-turvy tournament, in all honesty. Um, mm. But I don't know. I guess for, as, a, as a Scotland fan, I mean, I don't know because I'm not Scottish, but you perhaps beating England at Twickenham, you would have thought, right, that, you know, this is it's quite a promising Six Nations. And again, you kind of... I think if you were a Scottish fan, though, you'd be cursing your luck, wouldn't you, if you believed in um, such things? Because when you, you know, as you say, they beat England at Twickenham, they come back to Murrayfield, lose a game against Wales they really should have won. Were it, mm. were, it, were it not for an unfortunate red card? And even then it was by a point. Exactly, and then, yeah. Even though they haven't had COVID, so it's not the same thing physically, but they went mm. a month without playing rugby as a squad. I know some were some were released to their clubs to play, but yeah, you went through four weeks without playing as Scotland into a big game against Ireland, and Ireland had, mm. you know, they had played even yeah. though they they lost against France, they had played in that middle middle week. So you know, it's that that same thing again of mm. momentum. Um, so, so Scotland, I think it'll be they'll be a bit gutted about that because if they had had that red card, they could have won yeah, that game. It's true. If they'd had the momentum, it's not to say they'd have beaten France in that third game anyway. But they probably you probably mm. look back at that and think, oh, we could have given it, this a better go. Yeah, yeah. No. Mm. It's, yeah, you don't know, do you? Mm. Like very That's much so. Another year comes around. They've just beaten England. They should beat Wales. Then you've got two on the bounce. You're playing the best team. You don't know what's going to happen. But in, 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 like in this polar opposite world of COVID, it's like, well, you've got one win out of the three now. It's like, oh, it's got to be so demoralising for them in terms of just no, nothing seems to be working. No, it's not falling their way, is it, Scotland? Mm. Here we are. Well, do, do you think the Scotland guys have... A chance of making the lines. I mean, there was quite a lot of hype about them saying, "Oh, this is their time. This is their time." Do you think they? Do you think many of them are going to make well, it? I mentioned Russell. What you've got to consider is, is that in the last Lions tournament, only two Scottish players went. Yeah. Um, which were, I believe, Stuart Hogg and Sean Maitland, I think. And and yeah, there we are. So as in, I feel like it was only going to get better for Scotland, really. Um, Can't go backwards. Yeah. Well, as in, the only way you can go backwards from that is by literally just having Stuart Hogg. And to be honest with you, <laughs> I think that would be a big disservice to Scotland because I think there's a lot of Scottish players who have, you know, they've done themselves yeah. well in the past couple of years, really. As in, you know, like ha- Hamish Watson. Uh, yeah, Hamish Watson for me is in. Yeah, he's, he's excellent, I think, Hamish Watson. Um, you know, you've got um, Finn Russell at 10, who, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but you can't deny that he's very creative and talented as a number 10. Um, yeah, you've just got. You've got some really good players there, I think. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a bit of a tricky one, the the Lions, because and it, it really does depend on who your coach is. And you, it, Gatlin seems to be, he doesn't tend to necessarily go with form. He goes for tried and tested. Um, 
and you know that doesn't necessarily mean Welsh players, but as in, I think you're going to see a big contingent of, I think you'll see a big contingent of Welsh players based on how they performed. As in, I think a lot of them have played themselves into the tour, assuming it goes ahead. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot of England players because I think even though they won't necessarily finish in the, well, they may not necessarily finish in second or first or whatever. You know, they, they you know, you can't deny that Owen Farrell is outstanding. Atoje is outstanding. Billy Vunipola on his day is excellent. Um, you know, the, the, it's not like all of a sudden England have become a bad side. But yeah, I, I think Scotland have definitely, you know, they've not done themselves any harm with how they've played in the past couple of years, really. Um, yeah. But you mentioned about Wales probably having a big contingent because of the way they've mm. played this year. But we've also mentioned that they've been somewhat fortunate with the red cards mm. and the way COVID has fallen. Do you think there's the potential that the Lions could get quite badly embarrassed if he picks too many Welsh guys and they aren't actually as good as it's all being perceived because they've been um, a little bit fortunate? Do, do you think it's like it could have, it could be quite, it could go downhill quite quickly. Potentially. It isn't actually as... Potentially. I mean, I guess you'd have to consider how this game with France goes because I think if, if Wales mm. end up getting convincingly beaten by France, I think all of a sudden there are question marks. But I guess the thing you've got to remember with the Lions is, is that just because they go on the tour doesn't mean they necessarily start. You know, as in... Mm-hmm. I, I guess they were playing... Like, for example, Lewis Rissana, he's played his way into the Lions tour. For me, it's, it's as simple as that yeah. when you look at how good he's been. Um... And, you know, I guess there are perhaps players who, before, you kind of, like, perhaps like Tulupe Falatau, for example, before this tournament, you'd be like, oh, I'm not sure about Tulupe Falatau, but in this tournament, he's been really, really good. So, although I do get what you're saying, it is a bit dangerous. And that's why this tournament has been a bit topsy-turvy, really, because I think if you look in, in terms of how the games have played out, you could say, well, Wales have beaten a rubbish Italy side, and then against the other three teams they played, they've had the rub of the green. But then at the end of the day, mm. sport is a, is a results game and Wales are undefeated. Um, so, well, I think on the whole yeah, embarrassment thing, like one thing to remember that, is that South Africa haven't played a game of rugby since the World Cup final, I think. Because, yeah, they didn't yeah. play in the... Well, what was yeah, it in the end? The Tri-Nations, was it? What do they call it? The, the Rugby Championship? Yeah, they didn't play in that. Uh, the, so... The rugby, the you know, rugby they, championship. They're going it? to be a little bit rusty, maybe as a as a unit together. I think when it comes to the thing with the Lions is that it's such an it's a very unenviable task because whenever a squad is picked, you always think, "Oh, he's unlucky." Yeah, he's unlucky. Like you mentioned, Falatao. Like I think, like he's a lion. He's proven quality. Yeah. But then there's so many good back row options across those four nations. You know, someone is going to be unlucky and miss out. So. And and that I think is a little bit to do with form. Mm. There's always a few like dark horses who bolt right at the end. For example, I think mm. Louis Rishamit he could be one of those bolters, not necessarily to get in the, um, you know, first fifteen, but to get into the squad. You always have a couple of players uh, like that. I think was mm. it um, was it last time around Jamie George, he he played for the Lions before he played for England. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's in. I think in that tournament, Dylan Hartley started like every game, but Warren Gatland was yeah, like, so... "I'm taking Jamie George and Dylan Hartley staying at home." <laughs> and I guess that's what I mean. It it does it does 
it's it's almost a blend of form and what the what Gatlin wants. Yeah, definitely. I think what that's makes a, it so unpredictable. Uh, a little bit new. Once the Six Nations all uh, settles down, that will be a that will be a podcast in itself. I'm sure with the Lions. If if it happens, of course, we're still waiting to hear for sure what they're going to do. Are they going to play? Are they going to play it over here with fans spread out? Well, are they going to one... do it behind closed doors yeah. in South Africa? I mean, it... Still not being called for sure, is it? Yeah, no, I mean, it would be such a shame because the Lions is one of those... You don't really get that sort of thing in other sports, I don't think. Not to the same extent. Um, it would be a shame if it didn't go ahead. But um, there we are, just hoping. Um, right. Should we finish off with our stats of the week? Yeah, let's do that. Um, um, who went Who went first last time? I can't remember. I'll go first. I've got a great you stat for you, Lance. Right? Dav, do you want to go first this time? To make you feel really old, this oh, season <clears throat> this season is the first season since the 2004-05 season <laughs> that will see neither Ronaldo or Messi in a Champions League quarterfinal. So if you want one of those generational shift changing of the guard moments, Whoa. I know there's been a lot said about that with Haaland and Mbappe, <laughs> but I think that's one of those stats that says, you know, the tide is, is mm. turning here. The, the best of Messi and Ronaldo, is it possibly behind us? We'll have to wait and see. But the fact that neither of them are in a quarterfinal of the Champions League, I think is a, is a significant moment and a good stat. That, that. I tell you what, I'm glad you've come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> some of these, some of these highlights and stats are insane. <laughs> you, 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 you oh, finished really off on a good note there, Dal. You've done well in it. That is incredible. Um, well, uh, do you want to follow up that stat, Jack? Uh, m- mine is football related. Okay. I think yours is as well. Yeah. But uh, mine is to do with Atletico Madrid and. I saw this on Twitter last week, and it's Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid manager. Uh, he has coached 19 full matches. That is 1,710 minutes uh, against Getafe in particular. So throughout all the seasons he's play, uh, been at Atletico, he has coached ni- uh, 1,710 minutes against Getafe. And Getafe have never scored against him in that time. <laughs> and I just thought, that's incredible. That's almost a full, well, it's almost half a season rather of football, and they haven't managed to score a goal past that. That's, going That's mega, isn't it? Shocked. That is absolutely mega. Mm. Cool, we've got some good competitors for Staff of the Week this week. Um, right, my Staff of the Week is that Harry Kane is the only Englishman with more non-penalty goals and assists in Europe's top five niche. leagues this season than Patrick Bamford. That is niche. Yeah, that is very niche. Is niche. Do you know what? It's more niche it is more niche. I can't think of any of her English strikers. Uh, Rashford. Oh, Jamie Vardy, actually. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, would you yeah, consider yeah. a striker, winger, jury's out? That's, yeah, that's that thinking, is very yeah. niche, actually. Because when I read it the first time, I didn't clock that it said the only Englishman. Like, if it had just been, like, the only player, then it would be, like, what Patrick Bamford doing the business. But on the other side, like, Patrick Bamford was proper... Yeah, to be fair. He was properly I... struggling for Leeds, wasn't he? Was, uh, did I imagine that? Uh, in the championship, he yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't score that many. But um, I'd be honest, I thought he was going to do a Timu Puki. I never put him in my fantasy team thinking at some point it's going to die off, and it never did. You know, regardless, he keeps going, he keeps regardless of the you know the the first part of that stat, 
as in 12 goals and five assists in the Premier League, you know, when you're playing for a newly promoted side, there's no bad return at all, really. It's uh, mm-hmm. quite impressive. There we are. That that uh, brings to a close episode 19 of the uh, Down to the Wire podcast. Um, as always, we are on Spotify and YouTube. Why not give us a follow and uh, subscribe if you're on YouTube? We'd uh, really appreciate it. Um, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Anchor. I think I've got them all. Been a, um, been a pleasure. Yeah. Dad, thank, you, gents. thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, you, you've brought some absolutely glorious knowledge to this podcast and uh, we've enjoyed having you. And uh, yeah, Jack and I will be back next week, right? That is true. And that, that is next week will be just before the first Formula One race. So big, big, big. Uh, and and down to, uh, what am I talking about? Um, Drive to Survive coming out tomorrow. So yes, comes out tomorrow. We may discuss that if we've watched enough of it. I'm buzzing. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, next week <laughs> should be a good one. Um, there we are. Thank you all for listening.